Welcome to this episode, very special episode of the ONTAP podcast with our uh, brewery profile for Happy Brewing. Am I saying that right? You're saying it right. Perfect. All right. Well, welcome guys. We got Paul and Ammon here. And uh, I mean, we got some beers in front of us and it's been sitting here for too long. So cheers. 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 And uh, we'll take our first sip here. That's the uh, Mango Half, right? Mango, Mango Hefeweizen. That is, first of all, that's like tang orange. <laughs> like, how much mango did you put into this? A lot. Like, yeah. a lot. <laughs> two barrels. So if you picture a standard drum that you would see at a construction site, two of those. Yeah, that's a lot of mango. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it comes through for sure, but it doesn't overpower that wheat body either. Like, you still get a nice, crisp wheat flavor to it, so... It's really well balanced, I think. Yeah, thanks. It's it's been it's been good. Um, a lot of people have been talking about it and saying uh, how they enjoy it. It's a good beer for that heat wave we just had. And no, I think we're pretty impressed with how it turned out. It's good summertime vibes in a glass. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's start at the beginning then. So, how did you guys get into beer and brewing? How did we get into beer? Well, first of all. We got into beer probably the same way most other males our age did, sneaking out of our parents' uh, fridges and whatnot. <laughs> Fair, yeah. <laughs> but after that, I don't know. I was always one to drink quote-unquote oddball beers, you know, before this whole craft beer revolution kicked off. Like, I, back then, drinking IPAs or anything weird that showed up in that one part of the cooler in yeah, the that, liquor store. the dark like, oh, corner of the what, liquor what store. What was that over there? Yeah, so, I don't know. I just... I always want to try something different. Yeah, and I think for me it's the same thing. Like with with hanging out with Paul, and we'd we'd have some beers, and you know I was always used to having some Bud or Coconut or the big guys, and yeah, because that's what I you know my cousins grew up on, and that's what I was introduced to. And but then I tasted craft beer, and I was like, wow, there's a flavor to beer. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. taste just like carbonation, you know. And uh, so for me, I think that's what really got me hooked was just the flavor profile and the way it's so complex, but it's so good to drink. And there's a whole spectrum of beers that you would never even know about from drinking the macro stuff too, right? Like Absolutely. Like you don't get those flavor profiles. You don't get, you know, those notes of grapefruit or citrus or whatever you're looking for. Yeah, you're not going to get a good barrel age for like a triple or a lambac or something like that coming out of the, you know one of the big shops so yeah. without a doubt there's as we all know there's an insane amount of variety that you can be exposed to depending on you know what part of the world you're sourcing your beer from or where the individual brewer's influence came from and after that like for us um, we saw a lot of people doing the craft beer thing early on and for, for me and Paul you know it was a lot of sitting there having a couple beers together and, and talking about this, you know, we're seeing a lot of people do this. We're seeing a lot of people, you know, successfully doing this yeah. and doing something different. How can we add to that? Right. And, and we didn't want to replicate what people are doing. We didn't want to just be another, you know, 
brewery just popping up, you know, doing Euro style style beers or whatever. Yeah. Um, so for us, it was really a struggle of trying to figure out what can make, give us an identity in this. And then it kind of slapped us in the face that, you know, hey, we're both Indo-Canadian. Why don't we, you know, do our spin on this? Why don't we do something different that no one else is doing? Oh, yeah. And that's a major untapped market in craft beer. You know, you look at Fuggles and Warlock and they're going into the Asian market. And uh, India's got a population of, what, a billion plus? Like, (laughs) Depends on who who you're counting. Yeah. (laughs) But it's... uh, and it, especially the Indo-Canadian community out here, I mean, it's just waiting for something like this. I think that's a big piece of uh, of this market that hasn't been touched yet. I think the Indo-Canadian community is really big on, on their hard bar and, you know, um, and the macro stuff that this this is untapped. Literally, it's untapped right yeah. now, right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a large demographic of the population that either was, you know, ignored or just looked over when many places were opening up and starting and throughout the whole craft beer revolution here on the West Coast. And, yeah, we, we see a lot of potential in that. But not only that, it's bringing our, you know, our background, our culture, too, to the rest of the community. Yeah. It's, yeah, we're, we're exposing, you know, our fellow Indo-Canadians to the craft beer industry, but we're also exposing anybody else to what you know, Indian flavors are, what Indian beer, I don't really know if there is any, like, you know, quote-unquote, like, craft beer that comes out of India that you can think of. It gives you a lot of creativity to work with, like, there's a ton of room to grow and experiment, and I think it's, it's a really cool idea. For sure, it's, it's adding your own, craft beer is, is such a creative art, you know, it's, I always compare when people ask, you know, like, what's it like being a gypsy brewer or whatever? And I always compare it to the restaurant industry, you know, and I think it, in this situation, another comparison to the restaurant industry is good. Like where you're seeing all these new, you know, fusion fair places, these Indian uh, slash West Coast, you know, yep. collabs of restaurant food. You know, it's not the traditional butter chicken and rice. Now it's, you know, super funky and original, you know. Yeah. Indian food that goes very well with the West Coast style and now you know we're trying to introduce that into craft beer and, and vice versa yeah I think you said it pretty, pretty well there you see you see a lot of it even you go down Scott Road to many of the restaurants you go into Vancouver to many of the restaurants and you're seeing infusions of classic Indian dishes with local ingredients and lo- local profiles like you're seeing you know fresh salmon and whatnot coming out of the fraser and you know, getting a completely, totally Indian dressing on it. Yeah. And it's just something new, something, you know, truly West Coast. And you saw it with, you know, Asia, the Chinese and Japanese and Korean foods and whatnot throughout their um, their years of integration into the West Coast population. And you're seeing it with the Indian population now as, you know, second and third generations in large numbers start growing up here and the cultures start melding. Yeah, for sure. The name. Where did it come from? What does it mean? <laughs> so do you want the real story or the politically correct story? <laughs> Let's do both. Let's do both. Yeah. Okay, the politically correct story is everybody loves an elephant. Who doesn't love an elephant? An elephant is a revered animal 
you know, throughout multiple cultures throughout the world, especially the Indian culture. And you go anywhere in India and you'll see that throughout, like, you know, Hindu religion, multiple religions, everything else. So, you know, that's a good reason to choose elephant. Now, the real on reason. to the real story. <laughs> <laughs> so, for the most part, when we first came down to the point of starting the brewery, we decided to do it. We're like, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. And then we started, you know, spitballing names. We're like, what are we going to do? Like, but there was all sorts of names that came out. Some of them that we won't mention, just in case we need to make an off-brand at some point. <laughs> yeah. But um, I have these brass elephants that anybody who's ever traveled, you know, the Punjab in India knows. Pretty much every souvenir shop and anything else will have these things. So they're sitting in my basement, and we're sitting around there drinking beers, without a doubt, and thinking about what are we going to call our brewery. And Hutti is the Punjabi slash... Hindi word for elephant. So it came up as one of the first names, probably because we would stare at these things for hours on end when we were in the basement talking about things. So we wrote it down and then we went through I don't know how many other names and we came back to it. And we said, okay, yeah, let's go for it. Why not? And then the brand itself, the actual elephant that you see on our beers, that was a whole other story. Again, through that, like we had our graphic design guy he and an artist hand draw multiple variations and whatnot and we thought we had it down for the most part <laughs> a buddy of ours his and, grandmother <laughs> yeah and uh no but even, even our graphic designer like our, a buddy of ours Ruben um oh Ruben man Ruben man yeah yeah, yeah. so he's got he's got the media store and I think by the end of it like me and him were buddies and beforehand and afterwards I'm pretty sure you started to hate me because it was like no we want a revision no we want a revision no we want a revision it might not have been Adam's doing on that part it might just be me saying just like just try this try try that that. we we went through a similar thing with our podcast logo like I had the guy draw probably 30 different versions and like okay just tweak that color a little bit like Like, I don't know how to explain it but when you do it I'll let you know kind of thing yeah. yeah The graphic design is worst in here. <laughs> and then um, I think we had it. And then uh, a buddy of ours said, she was showing his grandma or something. And she's like, no, 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 they can't do that. They can't do that. Um, the trunk needs to be curled up because if it's not curled up, it's bad luck. So in in, in the culture, it was like, um, it was, yeah. Basically, if you weren't over 80 in the culture, you probably wouldn't have picked up on that. So the, the biggest thing was, we're like, okay, fine, we'll go with tradition and keep, keep everybody happy and whatnot. And then we're trying to figure out, okay, on a 2D model, on a 2D logo, how do we do the trunk going up? And if anybody looks at our logo, they'll notice that the trunk heads up, you know, to the right-hand side of the elephant behind the tusk. It's the only way we could actually do it, um, unless you want to 3D model everything. But yeah. that's, how, that's how it went, and that's basically it. That's how we came up with that. <laughs> and I mean, on a shelf up against any other logo in the industry, in BC at least, if not beyond that, that's a pretty damn distinctive logo. Yeah, uh, I think we're thanks. both proud of it and it pops. We're happy with it. I think my favorite is on the, the growlers and the Boston rounds. Oh, it just looks, the with gold, the gold foil, yeah. it just pops. It looks great. And I have people constantly, because I bring the Hathi growler wherever I go. Yeah. 
like where did you get that like what's happy because it just stands out nobody else has that everybody does just like the white on the growler growler, or their basic logo so I mean just having that gold foil just you know catch a glint of the sparkle and all of a sudden everybody's like what is that like it's it stands out I think that's one thing we wanted to go for because when we we thought of Hathi and 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 uh, and the logo and all that we wanted to stand out we wanted to be you know not extravagant per se but you know out there and and a little forward and 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 that's that cultural piece though like you look at Indian weddings like look how you know colorful and bright and like you know it catches your eye and the same thing we want with our, our labels like we want our labels to to pop like if I'm, I'm looking at the mango one right now and you know we wanted it to attract the person's eye to it so they yeah. pick it up and look at it you know that's all we can ask for is somebody just to see it and, and give us a a shot of what uh, of what they're looking at and saying hey yeah i want to try that or i don't want to try that so and the copper on the mango label like i told you already yeah i love that like and, and that's yeah that's you know mangoes kind of got that copper hue sometimes in the skin and yeah that's that piece um you know our coriander pale ale is going to be a different color so you, when you start seeing our labels on on shelves and um you know they'll have different colors based on the style of beer they are our coriander is going to be uh, kind of uh, a light blue uh, maybe not baby blue but it'll be like a I don't know how to describe it. A blue. That's yeah, why I with, said it. With that same metallic foil? foil same metallic foil. And it's yeah. just going to be the same style, you know. So the top band and the lower band, um, plus the ring around around the, the Hathi or the elephant. And um, Hathi Brewing will be, you know, in that foil color. And it's going to be distinctive to that beer, that style of beer. Yeah. yeah. See, see some special coming out with our caps pretty soon. Nice. Nice. That too. That too. We'll leave that as a surprise. So we kind of got into what inspired you to get into beer. Are there any beers specifically that kind of inspired you to get into crafts? Beers specifically? I don't really know if there's any beer that I can nail down. I was lucky enough to have some family members traveling throughout the world during the early stages of you know my craft beer education. So I had a lot of really interesting beers and one-offs come back from Europe and most of them I can't even pronounce their names and yeah. I'd have to go back through my own tap list quite a ways to figure out exactly <laughs> what they were but I could do that but um, like I've always loved uh, I've always loved Hefeweizens and you know How Sounds King Hefe was something that when I first tasted it it was you know it blew my socks off um, Granville Island's original Hefeweizen yeah. back when they, they were a lot smaller that was a great <laughs> beer I always Enjoyed beers from Granville Island. Yeah, before the takeover. <laughs> Even after the takeover, they're not completely yeah, just bad. After. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of the recipes have changed, though, you can tell. but uh, They definitely have changed over the years and, you know, been modified for the larger batches that yeah. they're doing. I'm sure there's many things that we're not privy to. Oh, but yeah, of course. I mean, when you're buying ingredients in bulk, too, sometimes it's cheaper to switch out some kind of malts. And I mean, it's... Uh, it's I mean, you go to their brewery in Granville Island, and the one-offs they're doing in there are still fantastic. Yeah, and the guys can brew. There's no arguing that. But I mean, something was lost when they were taken over. I, and I that's mean, the business piece to it. Oh right? yeah, of course. As much as we want to, 
say that craft beer needs to stay craft beer, you know, that's that's the business piece of it. And, yeah. and you're gonna lose that, you're gonna lose, you know, breweries to it. You know, all the breweries getting bought up now and, and they're slowly coming to Canada and even the local guys scaling up as well. You look at, you know, some of the big guys here on the West Coast and yep. there's definitely been changes in some of their core beers over over time as they grew and whether that just is due to equipment changes, you know, volume changes, or like you said, rapid, slight modifications to um, their grains or whatever, or even their supplier of their malts. Who knows? Yep. And it's one of those things you have to look at. And there's, that's one of the things that I love about craft beer is nobody really expects every single batch to be exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. That's true. I mean, especially when you get into small batch brewing or even you know the really funky stuff where you get into sours and saisons and you can definitely have vari- variations batch to batch and for the most part those that are educated enough in the craft beer market and what they're actually drinking realize that and can appreciate that that it'll change yeah for sure so what do you see as the future for you guys then? We plan on moving out of Ravens without a doubt yeah. at some point in the, in, the, in the future. I can't imagine that anybody wants to stay a gypsy brewer or no, white. and we'll probably, <laughs> yeah. probably follow white along label the same, brewer or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> the same trajectory as, you know, Fuggles and Warlock would be a good example, the way they bounce around for a little bit and then eventually build their, build their big facility out in Richmond. Yep. And it all just takes time, find, finding the right location, finding the land, getting the you know permits and zoning in place. and maybe even changing Money. some liquor laws in your city <laughs> who knows every time you think you pass one, one speed bump something else comes up oh there's always more red tape oh yeah it'll happen hesitant to put a timeline on it at this point but we're working on it and as soon as we know we'll let everybody else know yeah so just keep it fluid for now and do what you guys are doing and yeah for sure I think yeah. I think we're super fortunate to to be in the situation that we're in, just because you know we have awesome hosts at, at Ravens, you know, letting us come in and, and you know helping us get on our feet essentially. Yeah. You know, and we know this is a short term thing, but you know we're not in a situation where we're looking to rush in there and, and find a location that doesn't work for us or isn't what we want. You know, I think that's the biggest thing that. Paul and I have found as we do a lot of research in this industry and, and look at, a, you know, and talk to a lot of people, it's plan for what you think you need and then go bigger because yeah. you're going to need to go bigger. Your brew house needs to be bigger. Your fermenters need to be bigger. Your tasting room needs to be bigger. Your, you know, warehousing, just, your cold storage, your everything will grow faster than probably what you thought. And a lot of I know a lot of guys in the industry that I've talked to have run into that issue where a they lease too small a space and then they try to pick up or bought too small a space and they're trying to pick up everything around them all of a sudden in a mad hurry, or yeah they just flat out didn't think they were going to get to that point that they're at now and they're running into four walls and there's nothing left to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for an example of that, I mean, you look at the Dones brothers mm-hmm. and they got a wicked location. But I, honestly, I think they were damn near capacity when they opened. Yeah, it's, a size, <laughs> it's the size of a shoebox, without a doubt. And 
I, I don't think anybody would disagree with that, but they, they've made it work. They've, they make great beer out of that location. I love going down there. I go down there quite a bit in the summer and whenever I get time. Yeah. Definitely pick oh, up yeah. something. And the same thing, like that was uh, Powell's old, old yeah, space, Yeah, it right? was Powell's and, old space. And there, so. there's a classic example. Powell moved out and, and they, Jones came in, yep. passed the torch, and hopefully um, if Jones decides to move on to bigger and better things, they continue on and there's another great brewery that pops up in that same location. I mean, ideally that's mm -hmm. the way it goes, right? Yeah. Pass the torch along and just keep, I mean, that location is killer. There you go. But that, like, you're right in the heart of it, so... Uh, can't really argue with it and they've been successful so i mean yeah those two guys they could be here <laughs> oh yeah all right well i think our glasses have been empty for too long here so uh crack another one what do we want to do here one of, the, one of the beers that inspired you guys or yeah i think you cracked paul's uh king heffy here all right we already talked about it so why not exactly <laughs> That's a Heffy, all right. Oh yeah. So we got the King Heffy going here now. We just talked about it. it was an inspiration to uh, Paul here. And um, is this kind of what gave you the idea to go with the Mango Heff? Or was there... I don't really remember the initial conversation when we first started testing the Mango Heff, but the exact conversation, but I vaguely remember at some point saying that I want to make a half. And I think that's all that I really said, and it just yeah. went from there. It was, it was, uh... There, there may be some profanity thrown in there. <laughs> it was, it was, I want to make a half, and then, for me, I think, I think it was the mango, because I think we were throwing in another fruit before that we wanted to try, but then for me, it's, you know, every summer, without fail, like going back to my childhood, my parents would always have a box of mangoes at the house. Yeah. So I think we were talking on the phone one day, and I'm probably just staring at a box of mangoes, saying, "Why don't not do a mango hef? That's Indian enough." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where it rolled out from. But yeah, it was definitely I want to do a hef, and then trying to figure out something that would would go with it. Yeah. My day job keeps me outside quite a bit, and. Between back in the day, Grandpa Allen's half of Eisen that used to be on tap pretty much, excuse me, anywhere and everywhere that you could walk into. And then, you know, get the King Heffy launching and getting traction in the summer markets and whatnot. It was one of those things where I always enjoyed drinking it and it was like, it seems two inch putt. <laughs> Let's well, go yeah. for it. And I mean, if you want a summer beer that is going to sell, Mango Half is pretty. Yeah, no-brainer. If I'm in the, you know, cooler looking at the shelves, that sounds like a refreshing beer to me. So. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the one downfall I find of hefts is they're not available year-round. Mm. You know what I mean? I like. Very few of them are. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not a big porter guy and stout guy. I say that, but you know, probably in the fall I'll be you know drinking stouts and porters, but. You know, there's days where I, I just want something, like, you know, refreshing and light. I don't want something heavy. I don't want, you know, yeah, a big, thick, meal-in-a-glass stout kind of idea. I want, you know, something light and just crush a couple beers, but not have it be a macro beer. I think, you know, hefts give you that option. Yeah, without a doubt. And I, I completely agree with that. Well, 
our, our mango half we fully intend to keep year-round. It probably would be in limited production throughout the winter season, but it will still be available. Yeah, that's awesome. Because, yeah. yeah, you definitely get that craving every once in a while where you're just like, I just want a summer beer. And For sure. Sometimes it's, you got to dig, and then it's like, oh, this one's old, but do I risk it? But knowing that you guys will have it in production year-round, I mean... Especially after a winter season that we had this year in our spring with how much rain and lack of sunlight and everything else, I think a lot of people were just craving that little taste of summer at a oh, certain yeah. point. Yeah. And yeah. A little liquid sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know. I mean, the stuff's bright enough to light up the room, so. <laughs> it's cheaper than flying to Mexico. <laughs> I don't know about that. Flights to Mexico can be pretty cheap. <laughs> there you go. You're not going to convince me to come March when it's raining. <laughs> So aside from the mango half, you guys have the coriander pale. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be one of your core beers as well? Yeah. Or is that just kind of a... That'll be our pale ale. Yeah. Without a doubt. And um, we just finished finish today big batching, this um, first big batch of it. So that should be available come three weeks from now, four yeah, weeks? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, so today is June, June 27th, so yeah, late July you should see that start appearing. Nice. Yeah, and the mango is hitting shelves soon. I know it's available here at Ravens, but... Uh, the mango will start being distributed any day now. Nice. Yeah. Just waiting on that red tape again? Stay, stay, uh, stay tuned to our website, Facebook, Instagram, all, all that good stuff, and we will definitely let you know where it will be available. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. And I think a couple places have it on top. Yeah, I All saw right. a couple of kegs made it out into the wild. So yeah, there's a there's a select few little areas that that got some, and there's a couple other places that have it but haven't tapped it yet. Nice. Um, yeah. So that'll be that'll be coming soon, but the valley should be expecting some some mango and liquor stores and stuff like that pretty pretty soon. Yeah, de- definitely our focus is going to be on the Fraser Valley just due to the Gypsy Brewing arrangement and the limited production and whatnot. Yeah, we want to be able to service you know our hometown, our immediate backyard before we venture out so sorry anybody who's listening from further afield if you need it you know it's just a short drive down the coke or whichever way you need to drive see the sky i don't really care come say hi (laughs) Uh, from vancouver it's really not that far to get from get to abbotsford i mean i know it's across that bridge which is scary but you you can pop that bubble yeah it's okay well they do it for the tulip festival yeah so they can do it for beer if you can do it for flowers you can do it for beer just just think about the instagram post you can have with with the mango juice that's actually a beer just uh come out during air show exactly there you go (laughs) that's another thing we will will be on tap at the air show beer gardens this year the um ammon can you fill me in on the name yeah it's the brew north strong um festival at the air show Oh, yeah. So that'll be August uh, 11, 12, 13, I believe. Nice. So there's us, and there's uh, there's a bunch of other breweries involved from all over. I heard, like, 20 to 30. Yeah, about that. So it should be, so it should be a should good be a turnout. Good little festival. Yeah, and, you know. I, I mean, it's a beer festival with planes. Exactly. <laughs> like, who doesn't want to see jets go super fast and have a beer while you're watching? Yeah. You know what I mean? Without a doubt, and mention this podcast and come see the really tall guy standing next to our booth. His name is Cam, and he will sacrifice one of his tokens to your beer fund. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> or his shoulders so you can get a better view. One of either, either way works, right? <laughs> Sorry, big guy. <laughs> but hey, we'll go. We'll roll with it when it happens. Absolutely. Why not? Got to keep it fun. Yeah. 
All right, so in front of us right now, uh, we've got a beer that uh, inspired Ammon here. Yeah. So uh, tell us about it. It's good old uh, Fat Tug IPA. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, don't I think, think we've any... all had <laughs> some good times with Fat Tug. Yeah, I don't think I have to say much about it. Honestly, it gets, it's an IPA. It's one of my favorite IPAs. Um, and I think for me, this got me into craft beer because I was always trying to find um, something to pair with Indian food. Like, you know, my mom's always cooking something at home. I wanted something good to drink with it. But, you know, if I'm eating spicy Indian food, that's, you know, super creamy or super tomato based or whatever, it's, it's hard to find a beer that went well with it. And then, I don't know who got me hooked on Fat Tiles, probably Paul. A phenomenal beer, it pairs well with spicy food. Oh yeah. Um, you know, that grapefruit in the mango notes that you can kind of get from it is, is, uh, is awesome. And, and this kind of got me hooked on, hooked on craft beer. Yeah, it's definitely a gateway beer for a lot of people because mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's so available. Remember kids, don't walk in through the gateway. It's bad. <laughs> listen, listen to Nancy Reagan. Anyway, on the off chance that you actually do, this is a great beer. And Driftwood... It's a beer that built a brewery. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like, without a doubt. I don't think it just built a brewery. Like, Fat Tug IPA, when you want to make an IPA as a brewery now, you stand it. Oh, it's the head bar. Head with IPA. Like, that is your your goal, is can I make something that will compare to Fat Tongue? And if you don't, you don't, because this is a damn good IPA. It really is. And the few guys that managed to pull it out of their hats and make something that people say, hey, man, that's just as good as Fat Tug. You know you've made an IPA that yeah. is a damn good IPA. Yeah. And <laughs> I think, like you were saying, it's a gateway like craft beer but it's a gateway IPA like in the sense that oh, it yeah. got a lot of people turned into hop heads over yeah. it oh yeah I think you know that's when that hop craze happened it died a little bit and it came back you know now you got all the hazy IPAs coming out that everybody's so into yeah. and rightfully so like oh it's a they're tasty beers absolutely and and uh, you know there's gonna be people that knock them but you're never gonna please everybody with any beer you get oh so, for sure um, you know and I think the biggest thing is if you're proud to serve it and put your name on it, then, you know, that's all that matters because there will be people like that, you know, enjoy it. And you know. Well, and like you said, it was kind of the craze to do these IPAs mm-hmm. and Fat Tug was the one that everybody compared them to. Yeah. And then you've got, with every kind of beer fad, you have people that just brew it because that's what everybody wants and yeah. you can tell that they're just putting it out because it's the fad and then you have the ones that actually brew it because they want to do that style mm-hmm. absolutely and at the end of the day you know a couple of years on fat tug's still around yeah and you'll see a couple of these hazy ipas that are still around but a lot of that kind of filler and the kind of opportunists will fall by the wayside. It's like sours almost. Oh yeah, kettle sours last year. Huge. Summer of sour last year for sure. Yeah. And now you've got a few that are sticking around that are, you know, coming back again. And yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a big piece of craft beer. Like, you know, we keep getting asked, I don't know how much, like, at least 
every time I'm here, somebody's asking me once to start talking, oh, you're a healthy, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're asking, when are you guys coming out with the IPA? When are you guys coming out with the IPA? It's not that we don't want to have an IPA. It's we're going to have to find an IPA that we want to yeah, have. for sure. Before we... No, an IPA is something that, as a brewer, you, like, from the outside perspective, I think it's something that you have to fine-tune because everybody has this preconceived notion of what an IPA should be now. And if you don't meet that, you're just going to get beat up. Oh, exactly. Without a doubt. And that's the thing. It's an India Pale Ale, plain and simple. So, you know, we're Indian, so if we screw this one up... (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. That's I didn't even think about the extra pressure that's going to be on that, your that, guys' that, shoulders. That's our thing. So it's uh, it's in the works. Don't worry. You'll know when it's here. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's why you see now, like, with Ravens, they didn't come up. Like, they had their Elderflower IPA, but they didn't come up with, like, a true IPA for almost a year after they were open, right? At least, yeah. And I think that's... A smart move as a brewery because you see some that rush an IPA out and and then you keep tweaking and keep tweaking until you yeah. find something. But at that point, you've maybe rubbed a few people the wrong way. Yeah. Right. You and get you, one shot, really, for you, most people. Exactly. You gotta you gotta have a product that you're proud to serve and put your label on it, and then you know hope that you know that person at that liquor store or on tap at a restaurant or bar or whatever, you know, grab it and they enjoy it. So they grab your next one or they grab, you know, they see a label that looks similar and then they grab, you know, that different beer that yours because they like the other one that they had. Yeah. So I think that's really important about um, not rushing in, not jumping in on these fads. And for us being, you know, in a gypsy brewing spot, that's important for us because as much as, you know, we'll sit there and say, oh, we want a sour. We want to do this next beer. We want to do, you know, a hazy IPA. and But we're struggling because we need to figure out... We need to be able to have something that's good. Yeah. And that we want out there. And that we want to put our names on, right? And with the limited equipment that you guys have as well, I mean, you've got to really think about what you're putting out, right? Because you're constrained by... If you got something in the tank and it turns out that... It, didn't turn into something that you thought it would like that's an expensive mistake it definitely is without a doubt especially if it's holding up one of your core beers and now you're you know out a month yeah and that that's that's the biggest issue right now is our um like you said not, not just our limited equipment equipment's one thing we do we do have a bit of growth space within ravens and within our arrangement it's the time constraints mm. which is an issue because once you once you once we launch into the market people are expecting a lot yeah and people are expecting you know variety and continual innovation as a gypsy brewer it is hard to meet those demands so we, we have to be realistic and we have to translate that to you know to the people that enjoy our beer that you know these these are our small mainstays right now we're looking to expand we're expanding we're working on it once we get there yeah, we're gonna fill our boots because we love making beer. We love different styles of beer. Even between Ammon and myself, it's it's you know stuff that he really enjoys. Like I I care for and I enjoy, but you know I have other favorites as well. So you're gonna see something along the lines if um, if you go down south, like you know who's is a Firestone Walker, I believe. 
down in California? I have no idea. <laughs> Something like that. Um, where there's, you know, two, two different, you know, sides of the compass coming together to make one brewery. And there's always a give and take and a little push and shove. And I believe something like that, that little bit of tension makes great beer and it makes great innovations and oh, know, for sure. going back and forth. So yeah. I think, I think the public should be waiting to enjoy some very interesting things that we're going to come out with. It's just give us time and let us make it right. Well, sometimes constraints actually help you in the end because I mean, the mango and the coriander, I've had both. They're both fantastic beers. So you've got two solid beers to build your company on. Mm -hmm. And you're doing it right where you're kind of pilot batching your next step. But you're not really releasing it in a wide setting. So you've got, you know, time to fine tune the recipe. You've got your two beers that you can kind of push everybody towards. Absolutely. And I know there's going to be thirst for something new. You can come into the brewery and try it when it's on test tap, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to rush out all these different styles of beers and have them, you know, half of them be mediocre and the other half be, oh, that's pretty good, I guess, right? Like, exactly. That's our thing, too. It's like, it, if you want to try a different style of beer from us, come into Ravens, come into the tasting room. It'll be on tap. And, you know, just enjoy it. We're not going to put a beer on tap that we're not happy with, but know that by the time it reaches the bottle, we might have tweaked it a bit. Yeah, definitely, and I think that's the piece. I know Paul always says it too, like um, when he's talking to whoever he meets and they're talking brewery sh and shop talk and whatnot. You come in here and you you know see one of us at the brewery at Ravens, and you have questions, comments, you know, concerns. You know, walk up to us and say, hey, like, you know, I didn't like this about your beer, or I really enjoyed this, and I want to see you guys do this, or where can I, you know, we're open. Like, we're open to having a conversation. We're open to sitting down and, and talking and having a beer and just shooting the sh <laughs> <laughs> First one to swear. <laughs> All right, floodgates are open now. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Let's, uh... Crack our next one here. So we have a Big Swell IPA from Maui Brewing in front of us. It's no good IPA, and it's, in my opinion, it's not my favorite beer from Maui Brewing, and I spend a fair bit of time there with my family in the winter. And Maui Brewing is probably one of the breweries that, when I first got exposed to the craft beer industry, was one of those things where I'd go to Maui and I'd be like, okay, well, it's, it's American. Okay, so what do you get? Bud Light, everything else. And so all of a sudden you look up online, you know, local beer. But at the time they were in Lahaina and drive down and like these guys would have, you know, 12, 14 beers on tap. And it was just like all these styles of beer that these guys can make out in the middle of the ocean, completely cut off from everybody else. And now at their new location in Kihei, where they have 20 plus beers on tap and they're winning awards back on the mainland and they're shipping everything all over the United States. and obviously here here in Canada. It, it's one of the breweries, not for their beer necessarily, even though they make great beer and I really enjoy it. It's for their innovation and their tenacity and what they've done with, in such a hard environment as Hawaii and Maui itself. That kind of, um, you know, brought me 
to the beer game that if these guys can do it, you know, sitting out in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by ocean, we should be able to make something work out here. Yeah, no excuses, right? Yeah. Oh, oh I love that sound. But yeah, I think this is another example of like, if you have constraints and you have to be creative, like it actually forces you to be way better. Also, Maui Brewing, if anybody actually listens, please send me some of your pineapple and coconut. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true though, right? Like um, they've found, they've had to work with, you know, their limitations of being an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And hence why you have cans, right? Like, it even says on their side, like, cans are lighter, chill quicker, and, you know, can be enjoyed on the beach. But realistically, like, and a big piece of this is they're lighter than glass. Oh, and let's be honest, too. They hold carbonation way better. You're getting a better beer out of a can. And for people who say that it taints the flavor, why are you drinking it out of the can? <laughs> yeah. yeah, pour it out of the can, like... That, that's what I tell people too. So sure, yeah, you drink some out of the can, you probably get some. And the thing is, the second this leaves the brewery, the can, it's exposed to the environment that it's in. And the brewery has no control over how it is shipped, where it is stored, who interacts with it. You know, if it's a dusty environment, it's anything else. And like, anybody who looks at the top of the can, there's grooves in here, there's everything else. There can definitely be something on there that's gonna taint your beer. I have no doubt in that. But the one nice thing about cans, though, too, is, you know, it it protects your beer. Yeah. Like, you, you, know, you, talk, you talk about the carbonation piece, but it it, it really does. does. It, like, you know, you're not having any light damage. Yeah, you got a brown amber bottle, you know, but that's still letting light penetrate through. You know, that's oxygen. You, you know, you have all these issues that are coming up and that are aging your beer prematurely. But you have a can and, you know, you hear that crack and, and it fizzed up, you know, yep. like. Oh, yeah. So... That's what you want, you know. You know it's fresh. You know it's it's intended how the brewer wanted it to be and how they wanted you to taste it. Back to my previous point, the moral of the story is: wash your cans before you pour your beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's a great IPA. Like I haven't had this one before. Actually, I've had a few of Maui's beers, but I've just never thought to just get their IPA. Yeah, it's 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 definitely an enjoyable IPA and. I know for a fact, like, personally, my family, that's always been our family vacation spot, is Maui, and I've been exposed to this beer and, and the company as, as they've grown, and it's just, it's one of those places where a lot of people, up until recently, haven't been exposed to it, but if you go there, their facility that they've recently moved into and built is, I believe it's covering something like five acres right now, and they cool. have far more to expand into. And it's just huge. It's it's insane. And they're a company that does things right. If I went on a tour. They can't, like, obviously they can't everything except for their specialty beers. But the second everything comes off the canning line, it goes straight into cold storage. They keep it in cold storage. They will not ship anything that isn't in cold storage um, in a reefer. And everything goes on a boat. So I know until it reaches the distributor on the mainland, they've done their best to control the environment their beer is in for the good of the consumer. And as a company, that is something that should be aspired to for many other craft brewers is take every reasonable step that you can to control your product until it can get to your final point. 
to your consumer's lips. Oh, absolutely. I mean, your name is on the can, on the bottle. Exactly. Your name is your reputation in this game. Once it's been tainted, it's kind of the doom spell. I mean, there's a few breweries that have bounced back, but at the same time, it's real hard to bounce back. It's better to not have to deal with that at all. Yeah, it's better not to get the black eye in the first place. Yeah. For sure. So uh, we talked about Brew North. What other plans do you guys have for the summer? I mean, I know the festival circuit is really a big time thing for gypsy brewers to get their name out. So uh, where can people find you? Um, Yeah, so Brew North is going to be one of them that we're at. That's August uh, 11, 12, 13. That's at the Abbotsford Air Show. Um, So right in our backyard. Really excited about that one. Um, we're going to be at the PE Craft Beer Festival uh, week two, so that's August 29th to September 24th, or September 4th, sorry. Um, so we'll be there and we're excited to, you know, show the city that, you know, the valley knows their beer. Um, and, you know, it's worth a trip. You know, there's, there's a lot of breweries out here that are worth checking out. Um, so, you know, it's worth a trip from the city and, and hopefully we can convince, you know, a car ride car full of people to come out and and try some valley beers and as always make sure you have a designated driver do not drink and drive well that's where like vine and hops um the uh bc what is it van brewer crawl or vancouver Vancouver brewer tours Tours, yeah Yeah. i know if you talk to them and set it up uh vine and hops especially i know they've done a couple runs out here to abbotsford and they've been popular and busy. Oh yeah. So it's definitely it's definitely um, you know people are coming out. People are realizing that you know. Um, and you got a driver built in with those. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're paying a bit, but it gets you access to the breweries. Some of them you'll get tours. Yep. You get, you know, your flights included and everything like that. It's you pay up front for what you're getting. And you're getting the best possible tour guide which is somebody who works at the brewery yeah so and you're getting behind the scene looks like i don't know how many breweries you can walk into just off the street and ask for a brew tour and not have something going on so this is you know specifically planned and you know the breweries are prepared for it and you know they make it work and they they want people to come out and uh and see you know not just their tasting room or their facility but you know people are proud of the breweries they've built and um, it's more of an experience than it is just you know tasting yeah. beer and I can't stress enough you also have a driver <laughs> exactly <laughs> that brings you back to Vancouver <laughs> and from there you've got transit because it's not Abbotsford so. <laughs> so you have no excuses folks I agree completely agree with yeah. all the points that we're given here right now <laughs> my thing is don't drink a drive have a damn good time do what you will. Come out and enjoy the beer. Come out and enjoy our beer. Come out and enjoy Ravens. Come out and enjoy, you know, Fieldhouse. Come out and enjoy Old Yale Brewing, um, Chaos and Souls out in Chilliwack. And just really enjoy the valley. Enjoy what we have to offer. And don't forget Trading Post. Yeah, Trading oh, Post yeah. without a doubt if you want to head back towards Langley. And Even grab some food at the eatery. Oh, yeah, for I sure. Mean, like, you can do Langley's beautiful. Do your lunch at Fieldhouse. Do your dinner at Trading, trading Post Eatery. Mm-hmm. It's a whole day right there. Mm-hmm. I'd drive to Vancouver for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, we'll be um, at the PE 
for the second weekend or second week, sorry. And um, after that, we're in a great in Victoria for a great Canadian beer fest on September eight and ninth. So that one I'm excited for uh, personally because uh, I'm born and raised on the island. Oh yeah. So not Victoria, but you know, a little town a couple hours away called Pearl Burnie. So it'll be good to go back to the island. It's a different style of life and. I haven't been back in a few years, so I'm excited for that one. Yeah, without a doubt, and Great Canadian, you know, it's one of the larger beer festivals on the West Coast, without a doubt, and if you really want to enjoy some good beer and good breweries and probably some good one-offs, that's the place you want to be. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of casks there. It's their 25th anniversary this year. And oh, awesome. So it'll be, a, it'll be a big, big show. When was that again? Uh, September 8th and 9th, I believe. It's Friday and Saturday. I might have to book some vacation time and get over there early. You got a couple months' notice. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect, because we're looking for volunteers for our booths. You can stand on his shoulders again and get a good view of where all the tents are. There we go. And then after that, I believe we will be in... uh, Nothing after that? Nothing as of right now, no. So there's a couple things that uh, might come up. Uh, we're working on uh, just can't release right now um, but you know I think September is going to be a busy month for us um, and there's other a few other places you know in October that we might be looking at um, at going and you know just trying to get our name out there and trying to have a conversation with people that really just enjoy drinking craft beer yeah without a doubt nice sounds like a solid summer you guys have planned so a busy summer oh yeah a busy summer yeah, well, busy summer would be an understatement at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, outside of brewing, you guys both work full time, right? Like this is kind of a just a passion project for you right now. This is a, yeah, this is without a doubt a passion project. This is something that it's more than a passion project. Like it's something that we're going to grow and we're going to continue on. And you know, a passion project contributes. This is what you do in your spare time. I know personally, I've been taking a lot of active time out of my other other projects to come here and do this to grow it and yeah it's just finding time where you can and you know modifying schedules and figuring out more efficient ways to do pretty much everything yeah, it takes takes a lot of effort to actually there's days where you want to go home and you had a rough day at work or whatever and just want to sit down and crack a cold one and just relax and de-stress but you know there's always so much here to do and you know, we spent all weekend in the, in the warehouse labeling um, the mango. Oh, yeah. 2,300 plus bottles of mango that are now almost labeled. I'm working on <laughs> so, other, other piping and, and modifications to stuff. There's always something going on at the brewery. So there's, yeah, like Paul said, you know, it's, it's really about diverting our schedule and making it work and making it fit. There's a lot of... Okay, I'm you know I know I'm driving or I got five minutes here. I'm making a phone call and to yeah. Paul and we gotta discuss this and then we're gonna leave that conversation for three hours and then pick it back up right where we left off for another five minutes. And really, it's like you know it should be a face to face meeting, but you know you gotta do what you gotta do to make this work. And it's not a passion project. It's it's a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Nice. And I mean, you guys are hand labeling your beers, right? Semi-automatic, let's say. Semi- semi-automatic. semi-automatic. Don't, don't worry, we're going to make you do a case before you leave. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, 
if that's not dedication to the craft, then like I don't know what is. You guys are putting in the time. You guys are, you know, it's not like you said. It's not a passion project. I misspoke. No, no, for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, all respect to you. Yeah, like that's thanks. It's two full time jobs that you guys are working right now, basically. Yeah. And juggling your own business on top, and all the stress that comes with it on top of that, like. And then just life in general too, right? Because oh, yeah. there's family and, you know. Well, there's a lot of things going on that I doubt. And so. There's a lot of other projects that we get involved with as well. And it's, yeah, you know, you can sleep when you're dead type deal. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you guys are test batching in ISA right now. Yeah. Is that the next plan? Is um, that the next beer, or is that just something that you're trying out, and then you'll try out a diff few different recipes? Or I think, yeah, I think we're trying. You know, we got the ISA test batch, um, one. the first one on right now, and um, we got a couple other ones that um, we're gonna be test batching. I think uh, just to figure out exactly what we want to call our. You know our ISA and, and how we want to have that in a bottle. You know, like we talked about yeah. that earlier. Uh, we want to make sure it's it's right. So you'll see it in the tasting room. We're open to feedback. We want to hear from people what they think about you know our test batches and, and whatever. And yeah. and then uh, we'll put something in bottles when when we're happy happy to do so. So come into the tasting room and give honest feedback because yeah. that's what you guys want right exactly yeah you know um every night before i go to bed i'm looking at untapped i'm checking out you know our facebook our instagram our twitter for any messages um so if you tag us in something you know at hathi brewing on facebook twitter instagram i'll see it i will respond or i'll dm you and get in contact with you um, you know we want to make sure that people are enjoying our beers. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I can't count the number of times I've come into Ravens after work and you guys are both here putting in time and like immediately, you know, have you tried this? Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. I think that's what the test patch or the test batch, you know, pilot program that you guys have going here. I wish more breweries did that instead of doing it behind the scenes it's a much more honest and transparent way to do things i think yeah i think that's something that we decided we wanted to do from the beginning was small batch you know do a couple 20 liter kegs throw them in the fridge well in our case the fridge or throw them on tap and just to hear what people thought because everybody's palate's so different and having you know 50 different or 100 different people try your beers, you can take those notes that they give you and refine it. Or maybe it's something that you might not necessarily catch with your palate. And you can, you know, go back and review your notes and talk to other brewers and figure it out. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, and I know, like, you're not going to put something on tap that you guys don't stand behind either. So, I mean, there's obviously some quality control going on back there. There has been but. beer going down the drain, without doubt. Stuff that was not fit. 
that yeah. we experimented, we tried. And we failed horribly. I don't want to say that we failed because you don't fail. We learned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being a home brewer, I know the pain of pouring out an entire carboy or, you know, it's a carboy pales in comparison to the size of some of the batches you guys do, but I know how painful it is to wait that two, three, four weeks and then go, oh, well, this is... <laughs> and yeah, just, you got to go back to the drawing board yeah. and your notes and figure out, okay, well, what happened? What went wrong and when can we brew again, right? And that's the struggle of the gypsy brewing part is... Uh, We're not necessarily guaranteed the time frame. We, we might have the tank space, but depending on what the schedule is for Ravens as well... It's a tight schedule. It's a tight schedule. And, oh, yeah. Um, we got to wait on, you know, if we got to wait an extra week or week and a half to rebrew we have to wait so where some guys might have a three to four week turnaround we end up having a six to eight week turnaround yeah we just make it work right mm -hmm. roll with the punches yeah that's basically it i mean step one is and priority one is always keep your beer on the you know on the shelves exactly and then round two is okay now we can you know, experiment and work on new stuff, but step three's profit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think you get into the craft beer game for profit right away. No, that's that's <laughs> definitely true. If you uh, think you can, then uh, I think you're in the wrong industry. Uh, if you think you can get into the craft beer industry to make money, take everything you budgeted to build your brewery, walk down to your local Seven Eleven and buy lottery tickets. That's exactly what I'm going to tell you because <laughs> you're more likely to hit the jackpot that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't get into this industry driven by profit. No. And I think we've seen enough places come in and try, and few have failed. A few are struggling. Some of them we're not sure how they're still around. Yeah. But. Uh, I mean, it's obvious. It is. And people catch on to that real quick, and they, they'll they throw that to the side, no problem. And you see their bottles and cans stagnate on shelves. Yeah, it's definitely not a get-rich-quick scheme, that's for sure. It's, you enjoy the beer, you can make money in the industry without a doubt. That, nobody's going to question that. But first and foremost, you have to be true to yourself and true to your to the drinking public and make the beer that you're proud of that you want to put out and as long as you do that the rest is you know in the wind it's just the way faith lies <laughs> it's a fun industry though I gotta say like honestly it's it's one of those industries where you you have a blast like it's fun coming in here it's fun seeing people enjoy your beers it's fun you know looking at untapped posts in the middle of the night and seeing people rating your beer, you know, four out of five, or five stars, or, you know, two and a half out of five, because they just didn't enjoy that style of beer, and that's okay, but it's it's an awesome industry, and, like, you know, there's no other industry where you can go in and, and use another brewery's place and, you know, make your own beer. Like, I'm going to go use that restaurant analogy again, right? Yeah. I'm not going to open up... Uh, a restaurant and go, you know, to Cactus Club here in Abbey and say, 
Hey, can I use your kitchen? Can I use your kitchen to serve my customers? Because it's going to take another six months for me to build my restaurant. Yeah. They're going to look at me and kick me out their front door. And that's one of the things I love about this industry, too, is the collaboration that happens in this industry. Like, I love going to the festivals where you actually see the brewers there. Mm -hmm. And they're all just nerding out in the corner. Yeah. They're all just like, try this, try this, try this. Swapping recipes, working with each other like trying to make each other better oh for sure and, and just helping each other yeah i mean it's amazing like you look at what happened with daggerad where yeah. their seller just i don't know exactly what happened but they ended up dumping so much beer it didn't go well for them that's and <laughs> everybody around them was like oh here have some hops have some malt like everybody's helping them out and the amount of posts i saw from other breweries saying go out and buy daggerad beer yeah. Or, you know, somebody I saw on Instagram the other day, um, someone ran out of uh, caps. They're doing a balling run. Yeah. And they run out of, they run out of uh, caps. Yeah, so, and they, and they walked over to another brewery. There's somebody down in the city, but, you know, they walked over and said, hey, can we get some crown caps? Because we ran out. And I'm like, yeah, here you go. Here's a big box of 10,000. Yeah. Yeah. And we see, we see it personally, you know, in our side too, whether some of the local guys, like, you know, we, anybody in the brewing industry knows that, that thing where you order in X amount of something and maybe you show up, you know, a barrel or a bag or two short. And you're like, okay, well, I kind of need that to fit my schedule. So you start calling around and see if anybody has something to fill that. Because you know yours is showing up on back order, you know, in a day and two days and a week, whatever it might be. You need it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't ask for much more than that. I mean... What other, like you said, what other industry yeah. does everybody work together to like make each other better? Yeah, and uh, without doubt, the, the camaraderie and the friendship and whatnot, and all the guy, the guys and girls that we've met over the last year and a half, two years. You know, there's some friends that we made that we have for life, and um, even beyond the business side of it, it's just people that you generally. Like you travel somewhere, you go out of town, and you give them a call, and they, you know they they own a brewery or they work at a brewery, and you go see them, you have a good time, you spend a night with them, and yeah. you know just enjoy their company. And yeah, for sure, you know you're going to be taken care of, no matter what, and that's yeah. just, and it's reciprocal. When they come down down to visit you, you make sure you take care of them, and they have a good time, and it's it's to me, I've worked in a lot of industries, and I've worked in a lot of ventures. And I've never seen that that you know camaraderie. Yeah, it's the it's like everybody is worried about hospitality, mm -hmm. and I mean, having worked in the restaurant industry, you do get like everybody goes out. You've got industry insiders and like, oh, okay, I can get you into the door here, or I yeah. can get you a table here. You kind of have that there, but this is like the next level of that. Yeah, because unlike you know restaurant industry and whatnot, not to say the restaurant industry, especially when you come to like smaller one-offs, isn't a creative space. But you get a lot of you know chains and whatnot where it's, it's it doesn't have the individuality that you get it's, when you come to music or you come to craft beer. You, you know, it's business versus creativity. I think without a doubt, and you have to balance them well. And um, I mean, obviously. You don't want to be so creative that you're not making money. But at the same time, you don't want to sell out so hard that you're just 
basically making clones of macros because they're mass market appeal and you know they'll sell. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. Like, you, you don't want to get to that point. You always want to keep that, keep that sense of the little guy. Yeah. Of you, you're responding to the people that are drinking your beer, and that's the biggest thing. No matter how big you get, I don't really care. Like, you know, you get to multinationals and whatnot. You get to that point without a doubt. But when it, it comes to some of the bigger guys, like you know, your dogfish head, your stone guys down the States, um, Ballast Point, the guys that are, you know, fair-sized, without a doubt. But at the same time, you go in and you can probably still talk to somebody during the week if you go in during extended working hours. Yeah. And you can figure out, Maui Brew is a good example. They're, they, they are growing by leaps and bounds that they are, without a doubt, in comparison to, you know, like a central city around here or something like that. Yeah. You can still get that personal feel. Yeah, they're still people. Without a doubt, you're not. They're not a brand. You're they're not people. talking to a machine. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as you can maintain that along your growth curve, I think the sky's the limit with craft beer. It's just making sure that you're looking after the people that got you to at any point that you're at, and continue to look after those people as you grow. So. Let's say dream scenario, you've got, you know, whatever you want in a brew house. What's like your kind of what we call the white whale? Like, what is it that you want to do? Do you want like a wicked barrel program? Do you want to do like crazy sours? Do you want to like, what's kind of like your dream project as far as brewing? There's a few things that I think we can do that we're in maybe a different position than some brewers due to the construction background that we have. And, you know, we got some cool things going on, some stuff yeah. that might better reflect some of the breweries, you know, circa World War II, early 50s type deal where people had to go underground to, you know, cellar their stuff and went off for long periods of time. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, there's... A couple there's, things up your sleeve. There, there's some things. Yeah. And anybody who gets that hint, look up any, anything in World War II Germany or pre-World War II Germany and you might be able to figure out what I'm talking about. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave that in our back pocket for now. Nice. And nice. without a doubt, that'll be... If you're listening to this now, that'll be a long time before you taste any of that stuff. <laughs> it takes time. By design? Oh, by design, it takes a long time to age something. In the oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I think that's the first thing I think we, we thought of together, hey, Paul? Like, when we, we thought of, let's do a brewery, let's do an Indian brewery. Okay, what are we going to call it? Okay, we're calling it Hathi Brewing. Uh, and then next thing was how do we how do we appeal to you know everyone and I think this is probably one of the first things we thought of and we've already started looking and trying to figure out how to make it work you know we had a few roadblocks you know some emails went un unreturned phone calls went unanswered and then we flat out got a response saying go pound sand and yada 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 but and you know like literally having to send people into places yeah, around North America to be like, okay, you guys aren't responding, so just like walk into finding out somebody that we know and it's like walk into the front doors and just ask them what's going on. So, 
if we can we can swing something like that I think will be that will be it for us for for Paul and I personally I think that will be you know our proud moment of our brewing aspect not saying that that's the only thing we're looking forward to doing because um, you know there's a lot like I think just us being able to you know set up our own location and stuff like that is obviously a big part of what we want to be doing moving forward but once we're there once we've got our own location I think I know that's a big piece of what we want to present to you know Abbotsford Valley you know BC and I think that will be something that we can do and do hopefully very well yeah without a doubt and anybody that knows me that's listening to this right now you know I don't take no for an answer that well (laughs) (laughs) I always say just make it work I don't want to hear no just do it and we will just do it stubborn tenacity yeah for the most part (laughs) yeah it's 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 done okay for us so far (laughs) anybody knows knows us knows that we don't take no lying down but at the same time, we take it prospectively, and we, we try and figure out, okay, well, what else can we do to make our same idea work? And I think that's something that the public will enjoy. It'll be a labor of love and time, but you will enjoy it when it comes around. <laughs> yeah. Nice. It's got to be surprises, though. Like, oh, just, yeah. just having something down the pipe is always a good idea. And- I think I speak for a lot of the beer nerds out here where we're excited to see where you guys go next and what's coming down the pipe. So thanks a lot for coming on. and uh, Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks for th- having us. And remember, continue enjoying good craft beer wherever you live. Go out, support your local brewery, no matter how big, how small. There's people that work really hard to bring those beautiful suds to your lips. So we can find you anywhere on social media at Pathy Brewing. At Pathy Brewing, yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Website's www.pathybrewing.com. Uh, there's a message function on there. So if you want us to be in a liquor store near your house and we're not there already, you know, hit find our beers and type in your city, your name, and what liquor store you want us in and. That, that message goes straight to my phone and I will get on the phone with that liquor store and be like, hey, I got people in your neighborhood wanting this beer. How can we make that work? And, you know, if you just want to drop us a line, me or Paul, you know, same thing. Message us on there and you can get a hold of us. and We will do our best to get our beer to you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, before bed, Ammon's reading your message. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. And, uh, yeah. Cheers to more beers. Cheers. Cheers.